You are listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So now it's interesting in this, in this passage because even before we start looking at chapter 4, we need to understand that Luke's trying to point us in a very certain direction. And to understand what Luke's trying to point us to, we have to first go back a bit to Luke chapter 3, verse 23 to 38. Now you might be asking why, because this is just a whole list of genealogies and a timeline. But this is a very important timeline that Luke's, that Luke's given us here. Because this timeline, as you read in verse 23, it says, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, runs through all the names, and then it ends with the son of Adam, the son of God. So this timeline essentially is the timeline of all mankind. And what this points to is Jesus then being the perfect Israelite, as well as the second Adam. And now why is this necessary? Well, just as Adam was tempted in paradise and the Israelites were tempted in the wilderness, so we see in Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 13, that Jesus will also step into that wilderness where he will be tempted and tested by the devil. So what we can take from this is that Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 13 runs in parallel with Deuteronomy 6, 8, which is actually also where Jesus gets these scripture quotes that he gives to the devil. Now, why is all of this important? Because it points us to why Jesus came. Jesus came to fulfill the failures of the first Adam and the failures of the Israelites in their taste in the wilderness. This is the first step of Jesus the redemption of us as sinners. In verse 1, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. We see that the importance of the Jordan shows us that Jesus was baptized, and the baptism is where Jesus is proclaimed as God's beloved Son, which will play an important role later on in this text. 
Further on, we read that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. This shows that the whole tempting and the testing of the wilderness is part of God's great plan. And it also parallels us with the 40 years that the Israelites then spent in the wilderness. Now, throughout the rest of the text, we'll see that Jesus is tempted three times. And these uh, temptations point to provision, power, and protection. Now, we'll look at these temptations and wonder why not the dangerous ones, the lusts and the guilts. Well, these are a subtle kind of danger. These are temptations that draw you away from trusting, loving, and fearing God. First commandment temptations. Now anchored, we're all bombarded by temptations every day, be it on social media, news, adverts, everywhere. The world is pulling us in one direction, and that is away from God. Now, like I said, we always expect these blatant sins of lusts and greed and all those things, but it's these subtle dangers that are all around us. And we find ourselves that it's very easy for us to say in our times of tasting, Lord, will you provide? Will you protect? Are you even in control? And it's then that we start leaning on our own strength or on the authority of someone else or something else. And that's where the danger comes in. But as we move on to the first temptation, the provision, the first detail we see is that when Jesus comes out of the wilderness, he is hungry. After not eating for 40 days, the devil decides that this is the time to strike. And the devil says, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, firstly, the devil is calling out and challenging the sonship of God, wanting Jesus to doubt his own sonship. But at the baptism, we saw God speak in an audible voice saying, this is my beloved son. So that's very interesting. It's basically the devil saying, if you are really the son of God as proclaimed at your baptism, surely you can do this. But instead of this miracle, which would be self-fulfilling towards Jesus and against his own mission, because Jesus did miracles as a selfless expression of his love to others, Jesus replies with the truth of Scripture. And he answers the devil with Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. Now I'm going to read to you the full Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, because I think it just brings out the importance of that whole text. And it says, And he humbled you, and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Here we see that Jesus is obedient to this word. He trusts in the word of God and uses that word against the devil. Anchored, it's important that we realize that we aren't sustained by only the physical needs of our daily lives. But we are sustained by God who provides these physical needs to us. He is the sustainer and it's in him that we find all these things. And that's what's important for us to take out of this. Moving on to the second temptation, we see that after the devil failed in this attempt, he goes on to a new strategy where he puts power and authority in front of Jesus. And he says, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give the, all this authority 
and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. Now that's very interesting. Because the devil is offering Jesus all these kingdoms, but with what authority? Because the devil might be ruling on this world, but he doesn't have the authority. It is still God the Father who's got sovereign control over this world. But yet, if, if we think about the implications of this temptation, if Jesus were to fall to this temptation and bend his knee to the devil, he would be under sin. Yes, he might have all the earthly kingdoms, but he would be against God's plan for redemption. Jesus would never inherit the inter- eternal kingdom, and our sins would never have been atoned for. But again, in the face of yet another onslaught from the devil, Jesus leans and trusts in obedience on the word of God. And he quotes Deuteronomy 6 verse 13. Sorry, I'm going to page through them because I just think it's very important that we get the proper context of what's being said here. And in Deuteronomy 6.13, it is the Lord your God you shall fear. You shall serve him and by his name you shall swear. It is through this obedience and reliance on the word of God that Jesus again comes out of the second temptation victorious. This temptation of power and authority, Jesus could have had everything, but it's his obedience and trust in God and God's word that pulls him through. Thirdly, we look at protection, the third temptation. And it is here that the the devil tries something different, seeing that the first two didn't work. And it says, he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle and said to him, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now it's interesting because again in this third one we see that there's a direct challenge to Jesus' sonship. But the devil quotes, or let's say misquotes scripture to try and prove a point to Jesus to make Jesus fall to his schemes. The devil saying again, jump. Surely God will save you. If you are truly the son of God, then the angels should catch you, lest you strike your foot against the stone. But Jesus doesn't. Now this temptation has two layers. Firstly, it challenges Jesus' trust in God fully. And it also inverts the proper order of God's will. That is to say, Jesus came to fulfill God's will and not that of the devil by one of his schemes. If Jesus were to listen to the devil, then obviously he wouldn't be doing God's will because those two are opposed to each other. Now for the third time, Jesus presents God's word in truth in Deuteronomy 6.16, where he says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah. Now that's, that's profound because the testing at Massah was that Israel testing God in the wilderness. And they did this by asking, is the Lord with us? And you can see that in Exodus 17. Is the Lord with us? And it is here again for the third time that we see that Jesus trusts completely in God. Because in this third one, it's the trust that the Israelites didn't have 
That was the sin. And Jesus comes and trusts in obedience the will of the Father and his word. He doesn't need to jump to prove that he trusts God. He trusts God fully from the beginning to the end in obedience no matter what. Now, Anchored, what do we see when we look at these temptations? Well, firstly, if, if, if I look to myself, I see that we're fallen. We're all drawn to sin. None of us can really withstand sin. We're finite. We're physically unable not to sin. We're fragile. We fall to the worldly temptations that are around us all the time, and we can't help that. And we're faltering. Yes, we profess Christ, but our lives are still a stumbling towards that perfect time when we will be perfected in Christ. And anchored, that is why when we look at these three temptations, we see the picture of true obedience, a willful obedience of Christ in these temptations, an obedience that's unattainable by us, expected of us, yet completely unattainable. And it is precisely because of this unattainable perfection that it's required of us or required that Jesus come and stand in our place. It is Jesus that came to undo the mistakes of our forefathers, Adam, in the paradise that led us into the wilderness and the Israelites in the wilderness. He undid that and redid that perfectly for us. Jesus Christ has done it all and could turn to him, rest in him. For it was Jesus Christ that was tempted and tried in every way, but without sin for you. Let's close our eyes in prayer. Father God, we come to you this morning through your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And Lord, we give thanks for today. Father, Thank you for giving us your son who willfully came down and set himself as a sacrifice for us, who in willful obedience went through these temptations and came out perfectly, who then in that same willful obedience went and died on the cross for our sins. Father, we rejoice in you and we give thanks for all your many blessings. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.